Welcome to Good Christophian Talks. I'm Levi. And I'm Chris. And I'm Brian. Thank you for joining us this week. On this podcast, we select one talk a week to help us get the Bible in our daily newsfeed. We post a new episode at the start of each week with a short intro beforehand to kind of set the stage for the talk you're about to listen to. And now, let's talk more about this week's talk. Hi, this is Levi. This week's talk is an exhortation by Brother Peter King, given at the Idlewild Bible School in 1997. Um, This exhortation did not have a title uh, that we know of. This is one of the tapes that uh, Chris has taken on uh, digitizing, uh, which has been really great for us. Um, Basically, after nearly five years on the show, we're we're pretty clear on what's already digitized or recorded digitally and already online. Um, so it's been really helpful. And we, you, you've, you've, pro- you've noticed them. We've talked about them before. Um, some of these other talks we've been posting um, that are older and kind of more specifically presented in Southern California where, um, where Chris and I and Jason are. And uh, this exhortation was one of those. So we don't have a title. Um, it is the first, the opening exhortation for Idlewild and I really enjoyed listening to it because as I kind of suspected, I actually remember this talk specifically, and I was only 10 years old. Um, I was really struck as a child by Brother Peter, um, and I think this is a classic. This is his third time on the show. There are two other episodes, um, if you haven't listened to them and enjoyed this one, um, by Peter King. And uh, this is a classic. Like, he kind of just, it's essentially going verse by verse through a couple passages on the same theme which is bread and wine um, in this case. So it's a really great kind of classic exhortation. But then at the end, he makes it, again, very personal. Um, he, I think, always just really comfortably moved moves between um, kind of exposition and exhortation on, and, and, you know, practically how we relate to God and the Lord Jesus um, while, you know, while, you know, while the point before, you know, the minute before would have been, um, just a, a piece of exposition or, a, or a, a look into a specific word. Um, so I really enjoyed listening to this talk again um, and remembering being 10 in that room and, and hearing it and uh, really excited to, to share it here. So here is an exhortation by Brother Peter King. When the Lord Jesus Christ introduced the emblems to his disciples, what do you think was in their mind? When at the beginning of the feast, because that's when it took place, not at the end, he introduced to them the the bread and the wine. What thoughts do you think were uppermost in their mind? I suppose from Sunday school days, those of us who were fortunate enough to attend when we were five years old, just think of the, the, the shock and the revulsion at such a suggestion that the Lord made. But if you ponder the matter, brethren and sisters, you will find, I think, with the word of God in our hand, that this is not necessarily the case. My proposition to you this evening is that they were shocked beyond belief when the master equated the bread with his body and the wine with his blood. But for the Lord to take from the table a piece of bread and say, I want you to eat this, 
as a memorial feast didn't surprise them at all. For the Lord to produce a cup of wine and say, I want you each to drink from this single cup, caused them not a moment's hesitation in accepting. Of course, what did surprise them and shock them, and I should think it took them a long time to come to terms with, was his association with his body and the bread and his blood with the wine. But as a memorial service, they were not surprised because as good Old Testament people, and they were, they were well acquainted with memorial services of bread and wine. Many times, I should think, they had taken bread and wine as a memorial feast. Of course, in the chapters that we shall read in Matthew in a few days' time, when the Master brought them to specifically his body and his blood, shocked them. But I thought for a few moments this evening we might profitably have a look at some Old Testament breaking of bread services and see the principles that were undoubtedly involved then and see whether they apply to us today. And I think we shall find unerringly with the word of God faithfully in our hand that they will. The first time that we read of a breaking of bread service is at the time when Abraham did to the four kings with his 318 trained men, what the five kings couldn't do in battle. You remember early in Genesis how did the five kings serve the four kings, and then in the 13th year they rebelled and war against, warred against Hedor Laoma. And they came off worse. And the five kings lost the battle, they lost their cities, they lost their people, they lost their possessions. And Abraham, of course, couldn't have cared a fig about this. He, would, he, he wouldn't even have caused him a moment's agitation. These nine idiot kings warring among themselves had not his nephew Lot been in Sodom, which was one of the cities taken by Kedor Laoma. And he assembles his 318 soldiers, pursues Kedor Laoma and the three kings that were with him, overtakes them and defeats them and brings back all the people and the goods that have been taken from the cities. And on his way back, and it's ever so important that we get the structure of the story in the right order, on the way back he's met by Bera, the king of Sodom. And Bera, the king of Sodom, says, I'm delighted that you've done what you have done. Thank you for rescuing the people, the men, the women and the children. Give the souls to me. And keep for yourself the bounty that you have taken. And at that point, there is an interruption. He doesn't go away. He has a single interview. Because while he's talking to Bera, the king of Sodom, and probably the king of Gomorrah also, there comes to him Melchizedek, out of the city of Salem, perhaps Jerusalem, bearing bread and wine. And he is king and priest of the Most High God. And he comes to Abraham. And Abraham leaves Bera the king of Sodom kicking his heels while now he addresses Melchizedek. And Melchizedek introduces the bread to him and the wine. And it's a lengthy meeting because Abraham pays tithes of all that he had. And he receives an exhortation from Melchizedek. And it's a good exhortation. And it's a practical exhortation. And it's an exhortation that... Abraham could remember, and something that he could do. 
And when the bread and wine were taken away and Melchizedek goes back into the city, I mean, just ponder for a moment, if you will, the, the wonderful types that we have all coming together. We have Melchizedek representing the Lord Jesus Christ, king and priest of God's holy city. We have Abraham bearing all the promises which God made to his faithful people. And manifestly, Melchizedek was more important than Abraham because the lesser always pays tithes to the greater. And when Melchizedek goes away, Abraham turns again to address the king who's been kicking his heels while this service has been taking place. And now he addresses Bera. And now we see the effect of the exhortation upon the man of God. He says, I've lifted up, when did he do that? I lift up my hands to God Almighty that I won't take anything from you. This was the exhortation that Melchizedek gave him. Melchizedek would have said, you want to have nothing to do with this man. He represents filth and evil and sin and is abhorrent to God. And Abraham heard the exhortation and applied it. And he said, I don't want anything to do with you. I won't take anything from you. I won't take a thread from you. I won't take a bootlace from you. Lest it should be said, I have made Abraham rich. Now that's serious talk, brethren and sisters. I mean, you can get no lower than a bootlace. You see, he didn't even say, I wouldn't have a head covering off you. He said, I don't want a bootlace. I wouldn't have a thread off you. There are ways of, of, of turning down a gift, and this isn't one of them. This, this, uh, this isn't a lesson in etiquette. This is a lesson in godliness. He'd heard the exhortation, you see, and applied it. Would God, we, we, we did that with the exhortations that we hear. But he put his life on the line in so doing. You see, you, you cannot say that to a Middle East potentate. You cannot say that to a Middle East king and get away with it. You wouldn't do it today, I am telling you. It's, it's not a question of debate, it's a statement of fact. You cannot do it. Your life is in danger. So Abraham has exposed himself on two issues. Firstly, he's in grave danger by throwing away the offer of a gift. And secondly, with respect to Abraham, you've turned your back on very great wealth. Because the booty that was taken that had previously been stolen from Sodom and from Gomorrah wasn't something to be sneezed at. So now watch, watch what happens. And it's ever so important that we get the order right. He's broken bread at a memorial service faithfully with his God and with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's denounced sin and renounced it. And now God says to him in verse 1 of chapter 15. Of course, we're very grateful to the ancient Archbishop of Canterbury who put the word of God into chapters and verses for us. We're, we're grateful to him. But occasionally an error is made. And here is one. Verse 1 of chapter 15 of Genesis should be verse 25 of chapter 14. Now it came to pass after these things that God spoke to Abraham in a vision and said, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Do you see what's happened? I am thy shield 
I'll protect you from this evil man. And thy exceeding great reward. Your reward will come from me, not from sin. The, 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 the blessing is, is tailor-made for the man of God. Exactly what he wanted. But mark this. It came after breaking bread, not before. He didn't say to God, now the, 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 these are the things that I want. Now I'll break bread and drink wine. No, very much the other way round. He broke bread and drank wine as a memorial. And then God tailor-made a blessing for him. And do you know, brethren and sisters, wherever you look in the word, that holds good. Because the next breaking of bread service of which we read brings us into collision with exactly the same principle. Moses has left Egypt and gone to Midian. There he's doubled his age. And at the ripe old age of 80, he sets off back to Egypt to rescue the Hebrew people with God's help. And he does it with God's help. With God's guidance. By himself, he would have been a failure. And he comes to the base of Sinai, where Jethro, his brother-in-law, not father-in-law, where Jethro, his brother-in-law, hears of the great work which Moses has performed. And he brings his wife, who has been sent back on the road. This is an exhortation, not a Bible class address. We have no time to go down that way. But Zipporah has been sent back to Jethro by Moses. And then Jethro says to Zipporah and the boys, now I must take you to the base of Sinai, to Horeb, where Moses has done what he said he would do, and he's brought out God's people, and you must be reunited with your husband. Which is why, incidentally, Miriam and Aaron chide with Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he married. He didn't just marry her. They'd only just found out that he was married. When he came back to Egypt, he didn't see fit to tell them that he was married because he didn't think he'd see his wife and sons again. But when Jethro brings them, he has some very fast talking to do. And he says, ah, oh, I forgot to tell you, I was married when I was in Egypt, in Midian, and this is my wife and my sons. Then look what happens. Jethro and Moses and Aaron and the elders of Israel eat bread in the presence of God. It is a memorial service. Exodus chapter 18, if you're looking, but believe me, it's there. Um... It's a memorial service. And in the morning, Jethro says to Moses, what means this great line of people outside your tent? And Moses says, well, I'm the judge, you see. And they come to me for me to pass judgment on them between right and wrong. And Jethro says to him, you will surely wear yourself out doing this. You must learn, he doesn't actually say this, but this is what he means. You must learn the art of delegation. Give, give the job of judging a thousand people to this man. And the job of judging a hundred people to this man. And to him ten people. And just reserve the right to handle the difficult cases yourself. But if you're going to deal with every problem that ever arises, you will surely wear yourself out. And Moses did. And he laid his burden down. It was just the blessing that he needed. He didn't need protection. He didn't need wealth. 
He wanted to learn the art of delegation. And Jethro told him, after breaking of bread, incidentally, you're well taught here, I know you are. You might just like to ponder what was the great characteristic that that Jethro told Moses he should look for in the judges whom he appointed. What was it? Just one. And such a good man was Jethro, I cannot believe you see you could live 40 years in the company of somebody like Moses and not be a believer. And such a good man was Jethro that he preceded the giving of the Ten Commandments by a whole chapter because he said, when you appoint judges, you must look for men who are not covetous. Got it in one, you see. And Moses did, and he laid his burden down after breaking bread. And the principle holds good, brethren and sisters. The next time we read of a specific breaking of bread is when Ruth, the Moabites, comes home with Naomi. I suppose we should call her Mara, although nobody ever does. Don't call me sweetness and light, she says. Call me bitterness. Because the Lord took me out full and brought me back empty. Went out with three men, came back with none. One daughter-in-law. And Ruth is providentially led, as you know, to glean in the field of Boaz. Again, what superb types we have. Boaz unerringly representing the Lord Jesus Christ and Ruth the Gentile Ecclesia. And Ruth is providentially led to glean in his field and in one day she she gleans enough to feed a mother-in-law and herself for two weeks. Fabulous story. Fabulous love story. And Boaz says to her, I've heard that you're a faithful girl. How that you have not turned your back on your mother-in-law, but you've been very faithful. Now hear this. Ever before he spoke to her like that, they broke bread and drank wine. He said, come to me and, and eat this. And he gave a parched corn. It's the corn still on the stalk, held over a flame and tapped out gently. It's a great delicacy in the land, and it's called parched corn. Of course, it won't fill you up. It's only, it's only a taste, you see, as, as is this. But it's that of which it speaks which is important. It's bread given by the king to the bride. And then he said, come with me. And he says to the stewards, give her red wine to drink. The authorised version to which I happened to be addicted, calls it vinegar. It's rough red wine that the, with which the, the workers slake their thirst. Look what the king has given the bride. He's given a bread and he's given a wine. And they feast together. And then he says, because the blessing must follow the, the memorial service, then he says, you won't go into any other field, will you? You will stay faithful to me, won't you? You'll have other offers. Other offers which might, might, might sound more attractive. D- don't, don't go. Stay faithful to me. And she did, and he married her. But the blessings came after the memorial service was taken. And it was tailor-made for her. She didn't need to learn the art of delegation. She didn't want protection or great wealth. She wanted to be encouraged to say in the field of the man representing the Lord Jesus Christ, stay faithful and you will be blessed. And she did and she was. And wherever you open your book, brethren and sisters, the the principle holds good. Isaiah 55, we read it a little while ago. Eat bread and drink wine free of charge. Free to you. Not free 
of cost to the father or the son. But what blessing follows? Eat and drink and your, chapter 55, eat and drink and your soul shall live. Time presses. Let's just go into the New Testament, shall we, quickly. The Apostle Paul came down to Troas. And as his custom was, he came to break bread on the first day of the week with the disciples. Now, the Jewish day starts at six o'clock in the evening, you know that. So, um, Acts chapter 20, if you're going there, but it's there, I promise you. Um, the, 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 the apostle, the apostle, at six o'clock on Saturday evening, it's now Sunday morning. Well, it's Sunday. On the first day of the week, they come together to break bread. And the Apostle Paul, I suppose, is on his feet, shall we say, by seven o'clock. By the time they'd had a few hymns, and whoever was taking Brother Paul's job had said a couple of prayers, and uh, Brother Dick makes some announcements. We're going to hear the Apostle Paul preach next uh, Saturday, or might have been Peter or, or John, the fraternal. Uh, the, the announcements, were, let's say that those, those bits and pieces took... Let's say they took, a, took an hour, shall we? He's on his feet at seven o'clock. And of course the exhortations in those days were somewhat longer than we have today. He's still speaking at midnight. Five-hour exhortation. Yeah, no, no, you're not going to get that this evening, I, I promise you that. But, um, no, 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 you're not. But I tell you this, brethren and sisters, in passing, we have, we have forgotten the art of concentration. You see, there are some young people on the back row tonight who are just not listening. I tell you what, you'd better be listening tomorrow. Yeah, I'm deadly serious. We have, we have forgotten the art of concentration. We don't bother. If the speaker goes on for more than 22, 3, 4 minutes, most ecclesias in the United Kingdom give, give you a bit of paper which says, don't speak for longer than 24 minutes, will you please, during the morning. And at night, for whatever you do, 35 minutes maximum. Right, James? Um, we, we, we can't concentrate for longer than that. That's what we're saying. You see, brethren and sisters, concentration is not something with which we are born. It's something which we learn. And we are slow learners. I take my time sitting where you are, and I know it's difficult. The speaker voice goes on and drones on, and you play with the numbers on the hymn board. I, I, know, I know where you've been. I've been down that road myself. But we really ought to learn, if we can, the art of concentration, perhaps a little more ardently than we do. Not everybody can take it, of course. And the young man, Eutychus, couldn't. Fell down from the third loft. And he didn't just doze off, either. He, was, he fell into a deep sleep. He was taken up dead. And they took the opportunity to get the bread and wine round while Paul went and embraced him. And doubtless raised him from the dead there and then. But the thing is, we don't read of the blessing until after they've broken, broken bread and drunk wine. And it's after they've taken the bread and the wine that the Apostle Paul brings him to those whom he loved. I love the understatement. Do you love the understatement in, in, the, word, in the Word of God? Um, they're scattered all over them. Here's one. And he brought Eutychus back alive and they were not a little comforted. Well, they wouldn't be, would they? They'd be a great deal comforted, wouldn't they? And they were. Oh, and, 
And then he continued his exhortation until daybreak. So if five hours hadn't been long enough, they had another five hours. And I shouldn't think too many people dozed off in the second half. <laughs> but we're not, told, we're not told about that. But do you see the order of the blessing? They break bread, and then Eutychus is given back to them alive. Just what they wanted. Exactly what they needed. And... Of course, it would be unfair any speaker to, to talk like that without coming to the greatest of all, breaking of bread services. The Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 26, we shall be reading it in a few days, takes the bread and gives it to his disciples and the wine and they drink it. And only after they've taken the bread and wine do they learn that it's done for the remission of sins. Not your sins are remitted. Oh, by the way, take bread and wine. Never that way round. Always the other way around. First you take the emblems, and then your sins are forgiven. I'm not promoting the, the, the idea, let me just make this clear. I'm not promoting the idea that we come here to have our sins forgiven. We can do. But so effective is the bread and wine, and if we take it faithfully, we can have our sins forgiven on Tuesday morning, or Thursday afternoon if we so wish. And if we so confess. But no bread and wine, no forgiveness. We ought to learn that, and preach it. The blessing follows the memorial service. Now, this is the, this is the point, brethren and sisters. You're, you're, the common, if, if I may use such a word, the common denominator of all breaking of bread services is that it reminds us of the price that was paid for our salvation. Um, this is the cost. And the common denominator is that we can have our sins forgiven because of this. But having looked at the exhortations, and there are ever so many more of them in the Word of God, having looked and considered the breaking of bread services in the Word of God, do you not think we would be fair to say that we too can look for an individual blessing following our faithful memorial service? Your requirements are different from mine. My needs are different today, perhaps, from what they were last week. But surely I, I can come to my Lord and say, this is what I need, but thy will be done. This is my urgent requirement, but may thy will override it. I think that's fair. May we conclude by just looking into the future a moment, please. You see, the day will come when the Lord Jesus Christ will take the place of Brother Paul and will preside over a breaking of bread service far vaster than this. And maybe our brethren who brought the bags round and who will shortly bring the cups and plates round will be replaced by the disciples, who knows. And you take bread, having been broken by Jesus at the hand of John the disciple or Peter or Matthew. And we remember the Lord Jesus Christ as he sips wine again in his Father's kingdom. Now what blessing follows that? Because if the principle is good, it must hold true all the way. And it does. Because the blessing that follows is life forevermore in the kingdom of God. You see? No bread and wine at the hand of Jesus no life, 
bread and wine in the kingdom, life forevermore. This is the glory of our hope. And so now as we take bread, drink wine in memory of the terrible price that was paid for our freedom from, from the shackles of sin. Let us thank our God for it. And in the privacy of our own heart, not be afraid to say, Lord, I lean heavily upon your grace. Bless me, please, according to my personal and private needs, for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Good Christadelphian Talks podcast. We hope this talk helped you in your walk and brightened your day. If you would like to hear more, please subscribe for new episodes. We are on all major podcast platforms and also on YouTube. If you enjoyed this particular talk, please share it with someone else who you think might enjoy it too. For show notes on the talk you just listened to, visit our website at goodchristadelphiantalks.com or check out the show notes section of your podcast player. Please share your thoughts on the talk from this week on our Facebook or Instagram pages where we are at Good Christadelphian Talks, or leave a comment on our YouTube channel where these talks are posted as well. If you enjoy listening to the talks that we post and hear one that you think we should share, please tell us about it. You can send us a suggestion using the Contact Us tab on our website or message us on any of our social media accounts. Thank you for listening. God bless and talk to you next week.